We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. All right, what is going on, everybody? How you doing? Welcome to a casual Friday edition of Talking Buffalo Podcast, part of the Blue Wire Network. I'm your host, Patrick Moran. Thank you very much for locking in. Video side, audio side, I appreciate all you guys. Like I said, casual Friday. That means I am joined, as always, by my good buddy, recurring guest, Aaron Quinn from yo, yo, yo. Cover One. Uh, you know, I want to ask you how I'm, how you're doing. I know how you're doing. You're doing pretty good, but oh, man, we're listen, we're going to talk. I, I did an episode on Wednesday that was completely dedicated to uh, what happened with Jerry Sullivan. And we'll talk a little bit about that today, but we are going to talk actual Buffalo Bills today. Cole Beasley, lots of news to, to get to. Big game this weekend. Nobody's uh, big, talking big about game. it. It's a weird week. It is, it is a weird week, yeah. man. We'll do our medal stand too this week. We're going to be doing in sync songs, and Aaron and Aaron's wife is, is kind of mad at me over this one. We're going to do in sync songs, and we're going to do overrated former Buffalo Bills. We're going to put them on the metal stand. Uh, you know, before that, I'll tell you, man, like you said, this has been a, uh, a busy week with Bills news and a big game coming up. But, you know, we talk about this often enough, social media, Twitter, Facebook, Whatever it it has its benefits, you know. Um, you're a content creator like myself. You you know that it's important mm-hmm. to be able to to promote your work, to promote your brand. Uh, you make some good connections. I would never know you if it weren't for social media. You know what I mean? So there's a lot of good things about social media, but dude, it is mm-hmm. such a goddamn cesspool sometimes. And I, I feel like between the stuff that happened with Jerry Sullivan and Cole Beasley coming back to Buffalo and, you know, some of the beliefs and statements that he's made in the past and just, I don't know, the tension from the Buffalo Twitter side of late, it's been awful, dude, ain't it? I know you see it, man. I see it, man. I was in the mud yesterday, uh, early 24 hours ago. Uh, we're recording this live on Thursday uh, and on Wednesday it was, it was absolute, lack of a better term shit show on buffalo twitter in the morning i apologize to a lot of people because i got in the mix of some of it um we uh a good friend of mine eric was having out with mookie a little bit over route mm-hmm. concepts and it got weird uh there and yeah he started lording credentials over us and i was kind of like look mookie love you you can't do that and there end up being people blocked and things said and it's just like that's the the tough part of social media is especially when you have people that 
I guess, clout chasing or trying to establish themselves in a market and a niche and you get arguments and pushback and people get defensive and stuff happens. And it, it, like, especially a place like Twitter where it's rapid fire, right? Like sometimes you don't have a chance to pause and think about like, Hey man, if I hit send, what's that going to look like? And you can get yourself into trouble. You can get yourself into a situation where then you have to go explain yourself. I've been there before with abrasive comments where I had to dial it back, bring it back or message somebody in DMS to, you know, make sure there was no misunderstandings. It can get real hairy Pat, guys like us are in a really weird spot. So for people that don't know, I had yesterday a very weird interaction with an anonymous account. This person's kind of come at me in the past, um, been rude to me. So I blocked them. And then all of a sudden yesterday, after all this stuff was going on, people were sending me screenshots of somebody saying like very bad stuff about me that I had bad temper, I'm a womanizer, and then sort of alluding to and insinuating other things essentially around that. None of it's true. I've got a ton of flaws that anybody can come out and make fun of, but those ones aren't it. And so I I took that personally. It felt weird. Like I got a sick pit in my stomach seeing this stuff. Like you don't want to see that about you, your full name written out with accusations and insinuations. And I'm at a spot where not that 7,000 followers is a lot, but I have enough of an engagement and following and uh, that you have to maintain that, right? Like, cause also social media rewards you for interaction and rewards you for engagement. And so you do that to build up your following, but I don't have a big enough following where I'm like a a 10,000 K plus person where I can just put stuff out, walk away and it does itself, right? Like that. I don't have to continue the engagement. I'm I'm in the middle where I still read all my comments. I still see all the interactions that come with me. And that's not a healthy place to be because I I said this to my wife. She wants me off of social media. She hates it. Thinks there's no, no value in it. I said, you know, the show I do kind of requires some existence on here And for the most part, Pat, 95% of my engagement on social media is cool, chill, nice people talking football. But all it takes is like a really disgusting five to 10% to just put a pit in your stomach and ruin your experience. Yeah. And you never know who who's watching and who might form an opinion on you based on a tweet that is, uh, or Facebook status or a comment that, that is just so, uh, and some of it, like it's fun to write off as like, Oh, people are trolls just alone in their house and sitting alone. But like, you never know who that person is. There's some, there's some people out there that wish other people harm and stuff. So it's, it's very sketchy. It's yesterday felt gross. Cause then I went through and checked all my social medias to make sure some stuff was locked up to make sure people couldn't just be looking at my personal pages, uh, things like that. Looking at pictures of my kids, things like that. Like, sure. And it sucks to have to have that feeling because generally being a Bill's content creator and making Bill's content is all I've ever wanted to do. It's a, it's a, brings me joy and passion and fun, but then you get hit with one of these every once in a while. And it just kind of, it, it makes you think twice about what you're doing. It does. And you know, this is social media related. So I'm, I'm going to circle back to something you were talking about for people watching or listening who don't know what Aaron was, was referring to Eric Turner from cover one who does film work every week big fan of what he does and Mookie Hawkins, a radio guy who is a credentialed Buffalo Bills member, not going to get into the details. And he said, she said all that stuff, but they were going at it on Twitter over a Knox. It was a Knox route concept where essentially there there was a disagreement over the progression of their route. And it turned into, I do think, yeah. And here's the problem. Like, uh, if you're going to get in progression talks on routes, like Eric's going to win. He does the research. He knows the offensive concepts. He's going to talk to the players and confirm these things. Like he, he doesn't put stuff out there unless he can confirm. 
in playbooks. He, dude, this guy's got a repository of like old playbooks, films, stuff like that. And so not that Mookie's not a smart guy. I love Mookie. I'm a big fan of Mookie's, but he challenged that and Eric continued to shoot him down. And then it got personal and it was, I know more than you. And because I'm credentialed clearly that I'm more capable than you and stuff like that. And to me, there's no place for that in any of this, what we do. Like I have disagreements with content creators. I've had beef with the beat guys, but like to take it to a personal level and, and, uh, hang something over somebody else's head uh, in a public way. I thought there was no place for it. Um, and, and then it got out of control from there. And I, I, I felt bad for Bill's mafia to have to just kind of see it all play out. You're right. And, but here's the thing. And I like Mookie as well. I, mm-hmm. Mookie's a good dude. I, I've met him in person once. I, mm-hmm. I follow him on Twitter. He knows what he's talking about, but this is what I hate. I hate when, and, and I see it on the Sabre side too. There's nothing that annoys me more than when somebody who is credentialed to cover the Bills media shoots down somebody because they're not in the press box covering the games. I've said it before. I'll say it it again. There are guys who do not cover the Bills who know 20 times more football than some people who do, whether it's route concepts, film breakdown, general writing, interviewing skills, all that shit. I hate that. It bothers me to know when I see it on the hockey side. And again, you know, I'm not calling Mookie out. Well, I am. I'm calling him out for his comment because it was well, a bullshit comment. What Don't- sucks about that one, Pat? He should be sensitive because there's people in that beat room that have told him he doesn't belong. Sure. Right? We know that. There was conversations on Twitter. We've heard guys go yeah. at him. Daddy's a fan. Daddy's a fan. Daddy's a fanboy during press and conferences. During those periods of time, I don't think anyone stood up for him more than Greg Thompson and I. Uh, and I sure. came to his defense and said, that's bullshit. These, these beat guys are prestigious. They're trying to, you know, dog on him. And I think he's fine in that room. And so I thought that he would maybe have some more understanding of the difference of like to throw the credentials in our face after all that. That's, that's my, that's, me. that's my problem with what he said. Not my problem with him necessarily as you would be. And I, again, I, I like Mookie, my interaction with him and I, and I like what he does on Twitter. Um, I, I don't like the fact that he say, I mean, he said it, he put it out there for everyone to see, I, you know, I'm in the, that's why I'm in the room and you're not, I see it on the hockey side with Mike Harrington. I like Mike Harrington. A lot of people, I know it's unpopular to say you're not a hockey guy. So you probably don't pay much attention. Mike there's Harrington a lot has of, me blocked. There's so. a, well, he has a lot of people. Yeah. There, there's a lot of hockey people who can't stand Mike Harrington. I like Mike. All right. So, you know, it's just how it is. He, he's always been good to me. Me and him have a good relationship. I've even met him out and did a show with him before over wings. He's, he's a good dude to me. But anyway, my point is this. Michael's at it with bloggers because he doesn't consider them on his level. Mm-hmm. And it's the same bullshit. Be, you know, Chad D. Dominicis from uh, Expected Buffalo, he's one at it with Mike. And Mike blocked him just about a week or so ago. And it's basically, well, you're not in the locker room. You don't know. I promise yeah. you, Chad knows more about hockey than 99.5% like of, yeah. of the people who cover hockey that are sitting in that press box. Just like on the football side, Eric, and guys that cover one, when they're breaking down film and stuff, they know as much as the people in there. I love Mookie as a person. I, I think he does a good job with what he does. I just don't like anyone calling someone out because you're in the press box and they're not. Because guess what? It's about the outlet. It's not about you as a talent. Oh, Jerry fucking Sullivan's been in the press box because he was on ch- at Channel 4. That's why. Because he was at Channel 4, not because he's Jerry Sullivan, a very talented journalist. No. At this point, you know what I'm I, saying? Yeah, I've had this problem ever since I've been doing this, ever since I've been on Twitter, because uh, there is a, a element of them thinking they're better than other people because of their access. And they tout their access as something. And here's the thing. The access 
isn't all that anymore. We this press conferences are streamed. They're now finally getting back into the locker rooms. But here's the thing: those guys, because of the PR agreement, they can't just DM NFL players, the players in the room, and get the, the access to those players. I can't. There actually is more access and not having press credentials. I could do my post game show immediately. I, I watch the game the same. I don't have to be at the stadium to watch the game. I don't, I can stream the press conferences. I have people tweeting out exactly what's happening. So those days of controlled access, that's a, that's old media stuff. That's when we didn't have Twitter. We didn't have streaming press conferences. And the only way to get access to the players was Jerry Sullivan's column was the radio guys and, and streaming that over the radio. Now the game has changed it doesn't mean there's still tons of value in what these guys do, but all you have to do is get a degree in media, get a job at a TV network, and they'll will throw you a credential to do it. Greg Vorse worked for Spectrum for years. He's a part of the Cover One team now. He was he put out a tweet showing, he's like, dude, I don't know anything about politics, but when I worked for Spectrum, here's all my press passes to Barack Obama, Hillary Clinton, every time they were in town, just because I worked there and they needed a warm body there. It has, that has nothing to do with my political expertise. And there's some of that in football as well. I've covered the Buffalo Bills before. I spent a whole season in the press box. Again, not because I'm better than anyone else, because I worked for a local rag magazine that was credentialed. Media access has never meant less than it does right now in terms of being able to do your job compared to somebody who doesn't because almost all public or, or press conferences are streamed now. Now there is, a, and plus on top of that. PR, the Bills are, we listen, know they're not going to tell us anything. It's all a PR shtick. People, all right, so reporters, the, the biggest reason, they, the best asset they have from getting all the access is being able to develop relationships with players. That mm-hmm. is true, and I know that to be true. Definitely. But in terms Tim Graham of, is the one that probably utilizes that the most. Yes. And, to get, and done, guys like but, those guys. But to get scoops, it don't work like that anymore. It's all the national people because it's all ages or somebody who's yes. group texting a select group of insiders. It doesn't mean that much anymore. Now, when it does mean something is if you're a writer and you're writing feature stories or you're in the locker room and you want to do a story on Cole Beasley returning. But guess what? You didn't get, get Isaiah McKenzie because he wasn't made available at the press conference. You go in the locker room, you get some calls from Isaiah McKenzie or Jake Kummerow or some of those guys. So it, it can help. It, don't get me you're, wrong. Having, having access means something. But it doesn't it doesn't mean as much as it you soon. Trust me, I know this for a fact, okay? You know this for a fact, too, like – uh, you've DM'd me information that wasn't in the public before. You don't have sure. media credentials. We knew Cole Beasley was coming to Buffalo before that entered the Twitter sphere. I'll tell you right now, and I'm not trying to pat ourselves on the back. Our network, we hear more things than we put out. It's not, we stay in our lanes. We're not press guys. We are not breaking news guys. I'm not a source guy. We hear a lot of stuff. We take it in and then we see it play out. But I'll tell you, you do not need press credentials to get that information. No, People are willing to give you that information online. We t- Agents are hitting me up all the time. I have communication with players. I confirm things with players. And they trust me because I'm not a reporter. They know that I'm not putting it out there to report. But to, to act like getting those press credentials is the only way to have those relationships and the only way to have access, I don't believe it. Um, and honestly, even if Cover One had press credentials, I'm the only one that lives close enough. I couldn't. You have to like be at every single thing they do right. or you don't get your like it just isn't worth it right well we'll, we'll put a ball on this by saying yeah. uh it, we're not really whether you have access or whether you don't i still think people who are capable of doing a good job especially depending on what you do like with that access that you get but what does bother me and again well respect to mookie because i do love mookie and i think he I does do a too. good job but mike harrington these guys like this 
let's stop with the whole, you know, I'm in the, that's why I'm in the press box and you're not. No, you're in the press box because you work for a radio station and Eric works for his own, uh, you know, his own brand. He has a, Literally, yeah. that's it. That's yeah. it. They're both we are talented. They're both smart. Yes. Exactly. <laughs> anyway, before we get the bills, because this also bothers me. So on Wednesday, I had uh, Joe Buffalo Wins on mm. and we did pretty much, we devoted nearly an entire podcast to Jerry Sullivan. Um, getting fired from Channel 4 and from the Niagara Gazette over comments that he made on a, on a podcast. He was on Trainwreck Sports on uh, Monday night and made a really disturbing, stupid comment uh, about basically, I'm paraphrasing, but women not knowing shit about sports. That's basically what he was saying and that they want to be cheerleaders. Yeah. No room for that in society. No, certainly no room for that in, in Buffalo. And when it comes to talking sports, no. rightfully so, he got canned, and, and we talked about it. Now, the feedback was, and by the way, that was, I was telling you just before we started taping, that was probably the most downloaded episode I've had in six months. So clearly, and I think Don't let Joe know, or yeah, don't let him know, because he's going to want to be back on. No, he's already started with yeah. that shit about being yeah. on the podcast right more, more and more and more and more. Get in a mic, get in a new microphone, shit like that. But anyway, he did a good job on the show. And, no, and, and, and that's, that's a good topic those, for him. It's, it is. That's a, <laughs> it was a great topic for him. It was a yeah. great fit for him, and I thought he did a really good job. Anyway, I haven't listened to it yet. It was a busy week, but I go back well, and listen to it. Today. I think the reason why it got so much attention and, and so many downloads is just because uh, I think there's a lot of outlets that just don't want to touch it. I get why, too, to an extent, because a lot of these what media you, people are, are have been close to Jerry prior to this. Yeah, happening. but, you know, that that bothered me, Pat. The silence bothered me. In, uh, I we feel talked like about that. Tim Graham was maybe the one that uh, had the best comment, in my opinion, because he's close to Jerry. I know Tim. Not real well, but I've talked to him a lot. He's just one of the nicest guys uh, and the most sincere guys in that whole circle. Like he's always been open to bloggers, writers. He's never lorded his access and credentials over us. And he's always helped us. And so I reached out to him because he had a tweet essentially kind of saying that it was like watching Willie Mays at Shea Stadium and just like it kind of a just kind of riding out in a bad way. And there's this guy, I think, you know, should have got out the game. Yeah. Yeah. For the younger fans that only know we hate Jerry Sullivan. He's always starting shit. Like Jerry has always had that abrasiveness to him, but this dude was like really uh, in the heyday of media with the bills. He was like the real columnist, right? People he was really, the he was the biggest and, and best and well, most well-known yes. sports media personality in Western New York period yes. for many years. He started with the Buffalo news in 1989. And I would say, especially through the nineties and the early two thousands, this guy was as well-known in media. He's like one of those, Buffalo as what was that old show on ESPN, uh, on like Sundays, the sports reporters or something on yeah. ESPN. He was yeah. like one of those guys, like yeah. nationally known columnist. And so, uh, and so Tim showing and just like how it was just very sad to see it just kind of deteriorate in this yeah. way. And that's okay to have a friend and feel for them. And I know a lot of people that know Jerry personally, and they don't think he's this guy and they know he's a nice guy, but you know what, man, if your friend says something like this, I don't think silence is the response that is needed. And I, I think that Agreed. more people should have had pushback at those that were silent in this. Agreed. Because they also virtual signal all the time on other stuff, but then we, they were silent with their own. We talked about that on the show too. And at the time when we had with at the time when we taped the show, Matt Perino was the only one who spoke out against what Jerry said. He didn't necessarily speak out against Jerry's a human being, but 
he spoke out against what Jerry said. He was the only one at the time. I know maybe a couple people have since then, but that was one of the topics Joe and I talked about. The silence was like deafening. And I kind of took the same stance that, that you're talking about with Tim. I thought, you know, he deserved what he got. He he, he got fired. I, I said he deserved it. I said the Bills should pull his credential. And this was before he got fired anyway, after the presser. Yeah. You know, I think lost, he was getting those credentials were getting pulled. Lost in all this yeah. because of the comment that he made about women was the fact of what he said during the press conference. That's completely buried now in the sand. But anyway, I got a lot of feedback. And my, my attitude was kind of the same as you alluded to with Tim. I was like, you know, this is really sad This just to see somebody to have it play out this way. And Joe had the perfect uh, – he said it perfect. Jerry went from being at one time like on top of the world with the Buffalo sports media to ending his career in a basement because mm-hmm. Trainwreck Sports, they have their little studio in the basement, and that was it's all probably going to end up being his last media appearance. Who knows in the future? But anyway, I, I think we got a lot of feedback, and most of it was good, but some pushback. People said that I was too soft on, on Sully, which, again, I, I literally said he deserved to be fired. He should be allowed to cover Bill's game yeah, anymore. And he got are. what he deserved. I mean, well, and I also said his apology that he put out on Twitter. I, I we, thought that really felt flat. Him putting a uh, women's sports advocate in his Twitter profile. He got paid. He was getting paid. He got paid. You you can't say that. Channel 4 was paying you to cover women's sports to, no. to write feature stories. Yes. I mean, it's not like he's the only one. So whoever comes there next is going to do the exact same thing. Whoever takes that position next. But and I, I, listen, one more thing too, and then uh, I, I kind of want to get be done with this because this bothered me. So I, I, you were talking about somebody who was saying inaccurate bullshit about you on Twitter. Last night, which so we're taping this Thursday, Wednesday night, I, I come home, I worked, and uh, so I, I, sh- I shouldn't let, just like you shouldn't let comments from other people bother you because I think there's people out there who just want to get a rise and incite a reaction. Then I think there's just some people who just don't know what they're talking about necessarily, or they don't know you at least they might know what they're talking about generally, but they don't know you specifically. Yeah. So I come home and I'll, I'll listen, I'm not going to say the person's name and I'm not going to say the outlet. I decided against responding. I was going to respond last night and go off and make this long thread. And then I just said, nah, I'm going to, let cooler heads prevail. Like you said, kind of taking a step back and not reacting instantly. But somebody said last night, a, a woman said to me in a tweet, she hadn't watched the show yet. She was looking forward to listening and watching. But then she says, I do feel like this is a good time to say, Pat, that you should have more women on your podcast. There are plenty of us out here in the Buffalo sports media landscape who are willing to chat. That pissed me off. It really pissed me off because you're coming at the wrong person if you're going to say that. I, I, you know me, man. I go mm-hmm. back. I look at stuff. I do research. I, I, I do the math. I've had 21 women just in this market alone on my podcast before. Mm-hmm. For news media, sports media, whether yep. it's print. I'm not going to go through the names. Just trust me, man. There's been a lot. Over 20 of them I've had on my show already. Mm-hmm. And that's not even nationally, man. I've had Josina Anderson and Olivia Harlan. I've had tons a woman on my show. So, and I've also, um, people who are only on Twitter would be familiar with this name, but, but Seltzer mom, her name's Taylor Fulton. Yeah. Yeah. She's a blogger. She, she's, she's a Michigan girl. Mm-hmm. She, she works for a Michigan, uh, website. She's really knowledgeable in sports. I've reached out to her. You can ask her several times about having her on for a regular segment, just like I do you and Joe Yurden. She's just been real busy. We hadn't been able to work that out yet. 
There's a uh, Jill Thompson. She's better known as, as Sabres Buddy. She's on the Sabres <laughs> side on Twitter. I, I yeah, yeah. talk to her all the time, and I've same thing about us setting up some live streams, doing a couple Sabres watch alongs, stuff like that. Don't come at me with that shit, man. That pissed me off. It, yeah, it, that's awesome. I've probably I've probably had women on my show more than any other podcast combined out there right now. So. Yeah, and when you, I don't think she meant it to personally insult me. I think it's more she doesn't follow the show and doesn't know me and, and certainly is not listening to this podcast. Yeah. That's what I'm talking about. And this person, by the way, has over 3,000 followers on Twitter. That's what annoyed me because she puts that out there, and there's probably some people who are new to me who are new to this podcast who think, mm-hmm. oh, Pat, don't have women on his show. What a complete crock of shit that is. Yeah. I mean, you could definitely say that about my show. I think we've had – one female guest, maybe two female guests on in our entire five year span. Part of this problem also, your show's different because you're you have conversations of people within the market. So you're gonna get that in your net, right? Yeah. Um, yeah, yeah women yeah, in sports, sure. there's still a problem of access of women in sports and other people taking that seriously. And so like when we're doing our show, there is not when we look for a dolphins uh commentator, it's primarily going to be dudes when you look up the podcast it's mostly 85 90 percent are men and i don't know why it is and whether or not that's unfair um but i don't think that anyone should be shamed of the representation on their show especially when you have it when you actually do have it and you have to that representation has to equal how like in sports media you're going to have primarily men in these positions right now whether that's fair or not that just is the way it is. You look at the Buffalo beat, it's probably 85% men. And then there's a sprinkle of uh, some females on the beat there as well. You've had some of them on, like, I think your distribution is equal. I think the problem is, is how do we come up with, I guess, how do we find ways to encourage women that want to get into sports and want to do this, to have a place to do it? Because I guarantee you, if intelligent women are putting out stuff on, on YouTube, it's not going to be pretty in the comment section. There's just too much hate towards women in sports. I see it all the time. Mina Kimes is one of the absolute. I talk top... about it with my guests when I have a female on. We yeah. talk about that stuff. Mina like that. is yeah. like the top dog in Love ESPN her. in terms of talking football. Like I'd rather hear her than Dan Orlowski. I'll tell you that right now, 100% of the time, I'd rather hear her opinion. And every day in her mentions there's some idiot out there with some misogynistic comment trying to chop her down and it's like dude this woman knows she's for, for forgotten more football than you remember yeah. and it's just i don't know what it is that we need to do to get guys past that because it's not a woman problem i talk to plenty of idiotic men every single day about football. sure it's not that women don't know football plenty of women know football it's the respect that they get when they speak that yeah. is what keeps them from being podcasters, which keeps them from making content because it's just not fun to make content. It's hard to put this stuff out. It's hard to put yourself out there on video, on tweets. People are going to tell you you're wrong. They're going to tell you you're an idiot. That's all part of it. But when it's a woman, it becomes there's a whole nother level of the hate and the stuff they get. And it's really just not worth it for most of them, I would think. There's different levels of uh, of sports media when, like men or women you take the women all the women in buffalo who are in the sports media they're on the mainstream side for the most part you know heather prusak and julian yes. pelusi and, and all these great reporters um elena Kathy, from espn yes. Catherine Fitzgerald, who i love you know what i mean i first of all i've had them all on my podcast yes you have secondly they don't have the time to do these shows on a regular basis they're yeah. busy they're busy and 
like for an example, Catherine and Elena, I try, I reached out to them. We were supposed to, you know, I like to do my wing shows mm-hmm. um, during the Bills by, but Catherine had to travel, so they couldn't do it and it didn't work out. They're, the problem is people have a time like on the, what do you want to call us? The alternative media, I guess that's what we are, or secondary sure. media, whatever. Yeah. We're not mainstream. Right. You're right. Where, where are the, there, there's not women out there doing, having their own podcast. There's not a lot of women bloggers out there blogging about sports. Taylor's it's a great example. There's just not, listen, I will have anyone on my podcast, yeah. but, but you have to, uh, you got to start. We recruited, we recruited Victoria. She's a football, um, fantasy football bills fan. If anybody knows out there, uh, we were trying to recruit her hard. We've definitely gone after uh, a few women reporters to try to recruit them and it just didn't work out our team but we've had people mention that before like how come there's right. no women representation and it's just i the reason i believe that it exists is it's not women's fault i think women want to be involved in these things but when they do what they're met with is a bunch of small deed absolutely troll dudes who twitter, just can't twitter names, listen to a woman twitter twitter fucking uh what do you call it uh burner accounts with numbers in in, in their handle and, yeah. and in their name and the crazy thing is that they'll uh they're the first ones to call a guy like me a beta because I'm like, it's okay to listen to a woman. Yeah. And they'll be like, oh, you beta, whatever it is. Like these people have the smallest D energy out there. And it sucks because it does for any women that want to get involved in this. I, I would feel, I say it all the time. I'm so happy that I'm a man on the internet. I would not want to be a female on the internet. You are just at a disadvantage because dudes are creeps for one. And a lot of dudes are jerks and they just, no matter what topic it is, they're just not going to listen to you and they're going to be mean and they're going to be hurtful. And you just don't see it on the other side. Like I don't have women coming into my mentions or into our YouTube comments, just like shitting on us. That just doesn't happen. It's only reversed the other way. I don't know how to fix it. I feel bad. There should be more access. It should be a a more even playing field. If anyone has solutions, I'm happy to help. Um, But I don't know what's going to change that culture in sports. Agreed 100%. And, and to wrap this segment up, I, I, I'll say this. The point, in generally speaking, isn't wrong. There are podcasts out there who should do a better job of having women representation on their show, whether it's a co-host, whether it's a guest, just having a guest interview, breaking down you know, an opponent. If you have a football podcast, you could always do better. Mm-hmm. The, the, the point wasn't wrong, but what annoyed me is that I felt personal towards me. Yeah. When I've went out of my way to, I have, again, I always have women on my podcast. Some of my favorite episodes have been with women. I love talking about their life and their career. And one of the things I always talk about when I have a woman on the show is some of the bullshit that they have to overcome just because yeah. the fact that there are women, but what bothered me the most is like, I have two, first of all, I only have a certain amount of time per week to do a podcast. I have Joe Yerden on every Tuesday and I have you on every Friday. That's two shows right there. Yeah. I have and you some guys on. men on Twitter would say that I'm uh, pretty close to a woman. <laughs> so I've been told it. I have you guys on for, uh, you know, a couple of reasons. Number one, the chemistry. I, I know you and I know Joe. Well, I don't need to sit there. I don't have two, three hours sometimes to put a bunch of notes. Yeah. We don't really together. prep for this, right? I, I write like three or four things down and then we just roll, but you guys are flexible like I'm, I'm able to work around my schedule with you guys. Like for an example, you and I are taping this Thursday, every Thursday morning at nine 30. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. You guys are talented. Uh, people like listening and watching Thanks, you. Man. Sorry. I care about that stuff. You know what I mean? So I only have two to three shows per week. So I'm limited. And mm-hmm. when I have any guests, male or female outside of you or Joe, 
I don't know. Like I said, I get why I, you took it. That I get why you want to clarify it because it's the same reason people were like, "Hey, why did you give spotlight to that dude saying things about you?" And it's, man, we also see how quickly that stuff can deteriorate on social media, and we work so hard to put out this content, have a brand, and our names are associated to it. Pat, like, our, yeah. it's who we are now, and you are defensive over that. I am defensive I'm over very my defensive. brand, over my name, sure. and I don't want it to be dragged. And it can happen quick on social media. You can turn around and people can take things away the wrong way and twist it up and you're left out there to dry. So I don't, I don't mind anyone running to their own defense. Yeah. I look, I, I do care about my perception. I do yeah. care. Some people say, well, I don't care what other people think about me. I do. I yeah. care about, I do we care about do. what other they people think about yeah. me. And again, somebody who has a decent following on Twitter could put something out like that. And if, if it was, I don't think it was her intention to be personally insulting no, towards me, not. but someone could look at that tweet, perceive it, and say, you know what, this is somebody who, women. who doesn't <laughs> represent women on his show. And I, I'm just yeah. calling it out because that, that part is uh, bullshit. But anyway, let's take a real quick break, come back. We're going to talk some Buffalo Bills. Cole Beasley is back. Uh, I know Aaron's got some thoughts on that. Be right back, folks. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Sports fans who like to wager, I'm here to tell you about OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. If you're looking for a one-stop space on these interwebs to compare odds, Live up to the minute, look no further than Odds Trader. Why is Odds Trader so valuable to you? Well, for starters, it's the perfect place to compare betting odds and lines from all the major sports books. Why does that matter? Well, it matters because if you're liking a team, you want to throw down some cash on them, you're getting your choice of what's getting you the best odds, the best lines. It's a chance to find the highest payouts if you're betting on the underdogs or whether you're profiting the most if you're going with the favorites. Odds Trader also allows you to compare all the different sign-up codes and promos from the sportsbooks so that you can get the best deal out there for you. If that's not enough, Odds Trader, the app, also gives you player stats, key game stats, injury reports, projected game day weather, which, by the way, that can be a huge thing to know in certain situations. Odds Trader also has a betting tracker so they can keep records of all your games that you have wagers on and all your betting activity. Simply put, Odds Trader gives you quite literally everything you need to make the most informed bets humanly possible. If you're in this betting on sports games, any sport, by the way, make sure you go to oddstrader.com slash bluewire. Again, that's oddstrader.com slash bluewire. 
OddsTrader, the number one site for all your game day bets. I'm back with Aaron Quinn. You know, I always, whenever I get up against a break, I start talking real fast. <laughs> I know that I hate that uh, about myself. I'm like, wait, wait, wait. I but always even, talk fast. Yeah, but especially if I know I'm coming up to uh, a break. But anyway, all right. So let's actually talk some some Buffalo Bills. This has been a a big week. They got a big game. We'll talk about that in a few minutes. But uh, Cole Beasley is back. Mm-hmm. And uh, I want to get your feelings on that now over the last couple of weeks. It's been... Uh, Interesting. They, mm-hmm. The Bills bring back John Brown, and now the Bills bring back Cole Beasley. I'm going to be honest with you. I did not see this coming. Um, I thought when Cole Beasley left, and based on some interactions on, on Twitter, uh, the last thing I would have expected was Cole Beasley to be back. But what I've learned through this process over the last couple of days is never say never. True. Uh, if a player can help you win, that probably is the most important thing. And lastly, yep. your boy's got some pump teammates, man. I mean, his teammates, look, there might be some fans who hate Cole Beasley because of the way things ended, but don't count his teammates among them because they were really happy. Anyway, let me yep. let me give you the floor here. I want to get your feelings on uh, Cole, and I, then I got a few more after. Yeah, this is an interesting one. Also, I think people forget, John Brown was not happy when he departed and how that happened, he felt blindsided by uh, the way that he was released from this Mm -hmm. team. And so for him to come back too, I think shows guys go other places and then they, you realize how good it was where you were initially. And so they come back and they're able to get over those personal things. I had heard rumblings that the bills were interested in making this happen, but that there was some tension in how that ended and those conversations needed to happen. So clearly it sounds like Cole reached out to Brandon and, yeah. and, and it started that process. And then it kind of just came back and you heard Cole talk about it. When the initial rumblings of Cole Beasley coming back happened, my first re- gut reaction was no, like, I don't want it. I don't want the distraction. The last time I saw this guy, even this summer running to the defense of Kyrie Irving, honestly, Pat, that one kind of frustrated me more than mm-hmm. the COVID stuff. Like I have friends that take the same stance as Cole Beasley with COVID. I don't necessarily agree with the things he was saying, but like those were things I could get over. I saw some of his reasoning of what he was kind of trying to do. I just don't think he handled it in a very good way. But to be honest, like he said in his press conference, he admitted to it. I didn't handle things exactly how I wanted to. I didn't do all the things exactly how I wanted. I do that too, man. Like there's been time and I can't say that if I was in a, a bigger platform and with more eyes on me that I would handle everything in, in the right way. So right. I can appreciate that sincerity and I can accept that and move forward with that. But my first initial reaction was, no, I don't want it. But then I kind of dialed it back. And I was a big fan of Cole Beasley on the field, even through the playoffs last year, 2021. I if I don't think he's far removed from really good production in this offense. And I don't know, he's not coming off a major injury. So this isn't like an Odell Beckham where you're wondering, a can he get back to where he was? I think there's a real chance that he can back, get back to where he was in the playoffs, which isn't. 2020 Cole Beasley, which is like an all pro slot receiver, but it's better than anything the Buffalo Bills have right now on their roster at the slot. And he's position. fresh too. It do- and he's doesn't, fresh. doesn't be a fresh matter when you're a player like yes. him who's small this isn't, who's playing physical over the middle and taking a beating, yes. not the, not getting hit for 14 weeks. I do think yeah. being fresh matters in this case. Definitely. We saw actually the last two seasons where Cole Beasley and Stefan Diggs were together, and even John Brown. 
they faded towards the end of the season because of the workload. They were both hurt in the playoffs in 2020. Uh, Cole was playing on that like fractured leg or something like that. And then uh, Diggs had his torn oblique. The workload was too much for the whole regular season. And so now you're getting a guy fresh, like you said. And this isn't 1989 anymore where guys are just sitting on the couch eating lays and then they come in and have to ramp up for football. Like he was on a practice squad at Tampa Bay. He played in an NFL game in this season. He's been working out. He's been running routes. Now he's acclimating through the practice. These guys are elite athletes that are in shape, ready to go all season long. So that doesn't concern me as much. And I do think it's nice that he can come in and have a small workload for really maximum of what, two months here, right? we got a month Mm -hmm. left of football, four games, and then what a four game run through the playoffs, three game run through the playoffs. So that's all you're looking to get out of them. Uh, we're talking right now on the Cover One Slack channel, uh, which is going all the time. It's a great community. We're trying to figure out kind of what to expect out of that production. And I think even if Cole Beasley comes in and it's five, four to five plays a game and three of them are moving the chains on those third downs, that's all this Bill's offense needs. You will go back and watch that Jets game, man. If they could have converted one or two more third down attempts, I think that game's a huge blowout, right? And then that's been the case for this Bills team a little bit this year. And so I'm really excited about if he can return even to the quality of play that we saw in the playoffs. Go look at Eric Turner's um, Twitter feed right now and look for Cole Beasley and some of the plays and some of the uh, Brandon Bean and Josh Allen talked about how they see the game the same way. They see the zone coverages the same way. And you aren't, you don't have that right now in the Bills offense. And he really does. Like he squats in these spots where he just knows the cornerback's leverage. And once the quarterback cornerback plants his foot or has his body weight shifted one way, Cole knows exactly where to be to have the most space to pick up that third down. That is missing from this offense. Josh talked about the route concepts they aren't even able to use in this offense because they don't have a guy that was able to do the things Cole Beasley was able to do. And so I'm excited to get this back, but I do want to pump the brakes on. I don't think it's going to be 2020 Cole Beasley. I don't even know if we'll see the type of success that he had in 2021 where he had multiple games of like seven, nine catches. I think it'll be a limited role. I think Isaiah, Isaiah McKenzie is not just going to take a back seat. He'll still be part of this offense. You still have other guys you got to get the ball, but I think it's just giving Josh the security blanket. You know, and the pro Anthony Prohaska put out uh, a question on Twitter today asking, like, outside of Stephon Diggs, which pass catcher do you trust the most for the Buffalo Bills? And it really is like kind of a blank, all of them equally. Like, I don't trust any one of them more than the other ones. I would insert. As assuming he's healthy and ready to play and uh, uh, similar to what we saw in 2021, Cole Beasley would be that guy that I would trust next in terms of hands and knowing where to be and trust with Josh. I'll say this. Two things. One, I, I, you're not a huge wrestling fan. No. But I will say Used to this. be. McMahon ruined it for me. Well, in WWE, it, were, it was always never say never. That was like a, a WWE thing. Like Stone yeah. Cold Steve Austin was left yeah. on – the worst of terms, um, the ultimate warrior left on the worst of terms, and you're never going to see these guys again. Well, always what's best for business, and these guys end up coming back. I think well, even the with Bill, the AEW, Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes, right. yeah, that's another good example. You know, never say never with guys coming back. So I think Cole Beasley is back. You, we were watching that Jets game, and I know I'm not the only one who thought this. Now, I didn't think Cole Beasley specifically, but – we all saw Isaiah McKenzie, who does make plays from time to time. He's productive, but he's not trustworthy. We saw him drop a third down pass. We saw him drop two passes on Sunday. And all I kept thinking was, they got to be better here. You know, you, you broke down a lot of things, but I think at the end of the day, you said the word trust. 
And I think that's the biggest thing with Cole Beasley. The yeah. Bills, Josh Allen specifically trusts Cole Beasley. I'm going to take it one step This was further. a Josh Allen move, by yeah, the way. Sure. The he, John Brown and Cole Beasley coming back. We were told Josh went to Beasley yeah, to get this yeah. to happen. Yeah, yep, yep. That, that was reported, at least about Cole Beasley. Anyway. And real quick, on the you talked about the players in the locker room. That was never something that I even thought for a second would be at all a concern with this Buffalo Bills team. We know they love Cole Beasley. Even during all that stuff, we saw multiple people coming out in support of Cole Beasley during that time. Uh, fans listening, if you don't know, I've never been part of an NFL locker room, but I've, I've been involved in sports. I've talked to enough players. Locker rooms are different than the rest of the world, the rest of reality. These dudes put in so much work week in and week out in preparation for a game. That work alone to, to get to that point is so bonding and there's so much that goes into it and, and you're putting everything on the line and then you go out and do it. It's a battle. You're at war standing next to these guys going to battle. You got guys like Cole Beasley that played on a broken leg that played through hurt ribs for a month and gave you everything. It doesn't matter. He could have the worst opinions in the world. Look at Richie Incognito. Richie Incognito did terrible things. If that existed in this climate, of Twitter and how we are, Richie Incognito would get shot into the sun with some of the stuff he did. But then you heard leaders in our community, like Lorenzo Alexander, talking about how I hated playing against them, but I love going to war with this guy and that he's great in the locker room and all this stuff. So while we have our own personal opinions and the real world exists, you know, where those opinions matter and people judge you based on those opinions in locker rooms. It's really all about ball. And it's really all about going to war with those guys and who you trust in doing that. And that's why I had, I knew Cole Beasley would come right back in and be celebrated and hugged and, and wanted back. I don't think that I don't, I want to be wrong, but I don't expect much from John Brown. They took one deep shot with the jets. I, he I had it that, too though. He had it. He did, but listen, I, I would not be surprised come playoff time. I know, you know, all the sentiments are out there right now. People are in their fields. The band's back together. That's Did you see my uh, edit? You would have liked yeah. my edit. I did it lot two years ago or whatever. It was the cover of Bell Bib DeVoe's Poison. Uh, and I put Beasley, Brown, and Diggs, BBD. Uh, yeah, oh, that's good. Yeah, I didn't see that. On. I didn't. I, I, that is good. I didn't see it, though. But anyway, here's the thing. The band's back together. I don't think the band's going to be back together for very long. I would not be surprised if Jake Kumaro comes back. Somebody, could, one of these receivers, come back that John Brown ends up released before the playoffs. But I do think, and this is where I somewhat disagree with you about Cole Beasley's role. Maybe not this Saturday. I almost said Sunday, Saturday night. Um, I would say by Chicago. I think Cole Beasley's your starting slot receiver, and I think he's going to play significantly more snaps than Isaiah McKenzie in the slot. I just think the Bills trust him, and I think the offense is going to be better. When he's in there and he, he can move those chains, the whole 30 call, you know, whatever the phrase is kind of corny, but it is true. Sure. And I, again, I can't emphasize this enough. I think the fact that he's fresh matters. I really mm-hmm. do. He was injured, slowed down, beat up by the end of last season, you know, oh, yeah. during the regular season, he wasn't, he was a shell of what he was the year before. I think the fact that he is fresh, I think that's going to be very beneficial I don't think the Bills trust Isaiah McKenzie. Again, he can still have, and he still have a role. Remember when Cole Beasley was here, there were games where Isaiah yeah. contributed. Man covered, I still, man. I could see it happening. Absolutely. Yeah. You but see I, a team, honestly, I, this weekend, I think Miami's going to be in that position where they're aggressive, they're going to blitz, they're going to be in, man. I think that that favors an Isaiah McKenzie more. I like, I, dude, I've been super hard on Isaiah McKenzie over the last few years. I want nothing to do with him in the return game. 
don't trust him as a number one slot. But I do think there's a role for I think Isaiah McKenzie is a very good wide receiver four, wide receiver five, where it's, hey, I can get a gadget guy, get him in space, and beat man coverage. Like that's, well, that's what he's going to be again. Yeah, that's, that's totally cool. I'm telling to me. you, Cole, Cole People dragged me through the coals because I was like, I'm not that high on Isaiah, or I'm sick of the mistakes, I'm sick of the drops, I'm sick of the whatever. And people drag me because he's such a good personality and he's so likable and he's out there on social media and all that stuff. But that's all fine and dandy. At the end of the day, the dude's a wide receiver four or five in the league. He is who he is. He's been in the league long enough. Like it's not going to be much more than that. What I don't, I, I have beef right now with Isaiah McKenzie though, Pat, and I don't know how you felt. He does Tyler Dunn's podcast every week. I don't know if it ended up happening or not, but he took to Twitter. I, I players need to stop searching their names. They need to have somebody in their lives that gets them off of social media. I know I'm a hypocrite because I, I respond to people, but they have too big of a following. There's too much PR associated to it. For him to come out, uh, fans were frustrated with those drops. I didn't care as much about the drops, but fans were frustrated with the drops. I'm sure some tagged him. I'm sure some made him see some of those comments, but he needs to get past that stuff. He's come at me for comments that I've made, not even tagging him, just typing his name, which means he's searching his name or somebody's sending it to him. He needs to be less sensitive than that because what he put out was like, I challenge fans to a wet ball contest. Like, honestly, I appreciate you, Isaiah, but kind of like F you there. You know what? We're not paid to be NFL wide receivers. Uh, if if somebody's an electrical engineer and you were mad at them about their job, would they be like, "Oh, well, you come in and electrically engineer this, whatever it is"? Like that's just not how the world works. So to be like, "Oh, fans come out and try to catch wet balls," it's like, dude, you get paid pretty well, millions to do this. So don't give that to me. And if you are going to say that, do we get your game check if I catch the balls? You know what I mean? Like, right. I thought that was really pompous. I thought it was really sensitive. It, that's you can't do that stuff. It looks terrible to me. Let me uh, let me plug Tyler Dunn's show. I like Tyler. Yeah, that about. was nothing against Tyler. Yeah. No, 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 no. I know that. I, I'm I'm telling you. I I I've been there. I've went to to Misters before. Um, I I do watch when Isaiah's on. Mm-hmm. It, it's a good podcast because Isaiah is pretty. Uh, Isaiah's a pretty guy. candid. He's a candid. He's a really dude. good guy. And by the way, he did say on on Ty's podcast this week. And he wasn't joking either. He was dead serious. If the Bills win the Super Bowl, he's going to retire. He said that. Yeah. He he wants to go out on his terms, not your terms, meaning. Good for you. I thought that was cool. Or the league. But anyway, here here's the whole thing. I like Isaiah McKenzie. He, he can make, he's very capable of, of making plays. And I yeah. think there's always going to be a role for him on the scene. Well, not always, but there certainly is now. But here's the deal. Like someone like Gabe Davis who, who drops passes and, and God, it's, it's infuriating to watch at times, you know, yeah. or he runs a shitty route or something. Gabe Davis is capable of going 85 yards down the field or 98 yards down the field and scoring a touchdown. Gabe Davis is capable of having four touchdown catches in a game, 200 yards receiving in a game. You kind of got to live with some of the bullshit with Gabe Davis because of what his ceiling is and what he can do to me. The one position on this offense where you have to be 100% trustworthy, you have to have good ends, you got to move the chains, you got to catch the ball as a slot receiver. And I do not trust Isaiah McKenzie. I like him, but I don't trust him. I do trust Cole Beasley. You know what I'm saying? That's why I think Cole Beasley, maybe not against Miami, but certainly probably the next week against Chicago, he knows this offense. I guarantee, I'm not going to guarantee you, I'd be stunned if he doesn't have a significant role and if he's not out snapping um, Isaiah. Real quick, too. Probably not good news, although I don't think it would have mattered anyway because he's not still doing a lot at this point in the season. But probably not good news if you're a Khalil Shakir fan. If you're cra- clamoring for more uh, Khalil Shakir, 
Probably not good news for you. I don't think he's going to see more. Actually, than, he might even be a game day inactive by the end of the season. To be I think it's you. yeah. I think it's not good news for you if you are concerned about his production in twenty twenty two. I think this is great news for Khalil Shakir if he can grab his notebook and oh, just sit right next to Cole Beasley in the film absolutely. room and do everything he absolutely. can because we had heard. Uh, a couple of years now that Isaiah McKenzie was learning a lot from Cole Beasley about the slot position. And that's cool. And I'm sure it made him a better slot, but he is not a complete slot. We've heard it. We heard it right out of Brandon Bean's mouth. We heard it right out of Josh Allen's mouth that the inability of the slot to do what Cole Beasley does has limited this offense. To me, that's kind of a direct shot at Isaiah for not at this point in his career, whatever it is, six years in, seven years into his career, he can't yeah. refine his game to that point. That's fine. We don't have time to invest in that anymore in my opinion he already said if they win the super bowl he's gone so all investment needs to be getting khalil shakir to be the slot receiver that this offense needs him to be and i don't need it to happen in 2022 as much as i like him and as much as i was buying into that preseason hype i really like this player uh i do think if he is able to grab that notebook and just get right next to cole beasley and learn the slot position that this could be a very big benefit for him so it hurts him maybe right now in terms of getting on sure. the field and that 25% snap count that he had. But I think ultimately it's going to do more benefit to him. I completely agree. He will be a I like him going forward. I'm talking about people who are claiming for him right now. Right like now, you yeah. watch, you watch in the Jets. because we like new toys. Yes. Yeah, well, and I also don't like Isaiah McKenzie dropping passes. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. when I, when I see that I'm clamoring for Khalil Shakir with Cole Beasley here, it wouldn't even surprise me. Maybe not this week, but soon enough that he's a game day inactive, which, again, frustrating short term, but long term, um, I, I think things will be fine. I think the other person who might you might lose out on a little bit right now is Naheem Hines. I, I, I think McKenzie will probably get more gadget snaps because he won't be playing the slot as much with Cole Beasley there, which means Hines might even get less work at running back unless James Cook fumbles and, and fucks up or something because you know his leash is short with the Buffalo Bills right now. We see that all the time. But I th- um I think Hines uh I I've been battling back. I know that you're this isn't what you're saying. There's been some frustration about hey they traded for this guy he needs to get more involved in the offense. I think he's very involved in this team and in this offense. I even if it's just his uh return production only, I think that it's a great trade and the Bills yeah, yeah, got yeah, a value yeah, out of the yeah, return yeah. production. But I don't think I think Maybe he sees some difference in snap counts, but I think they like that pony package of Hines and another running back. And Cook, I see them too in there. Yeah, and him and Cook, or whether it's Singletary or not. I think that they they kind of lean into some of that with Hines, and maybe uh, McKenzie gets some of that, but I don't know that it hurts Hines. Yeah, I I think Hines was brought here for the re- first of all for the return game, which I think he's been pretty good at. He's going to soon. He he's a veteran running back insurance, so if something does happen to Singletary or Cook, he got yep. a very capable guy. And I also think come next year because I think Singletary yes. goes and gets money somewhere else, and now you got Cook and Hines. You know what I mean? So I think he, he's more of a situational guy now and a long term uh, player. What That's why the Bills traded for him. Brandon Bean has done as like the team's not has had a really rough spell of health this year, but if they can barring any more like substantial injuries, they're starting to get some other guys healthy. And now they've gotten to this point and Brandon Bean is using this new rules of the practice squad to be able to stash veterans, which he couldn't do before to really give him, put himself in a position as they head into the playoffs. Like you're going to have some guys that get banged up or something happens in a game where somebody's going to have to step in or the inactives is going to, something's going to happen at inactives and somebody's going to have to come in and play. Brandon Bean, at least at skill positions in certain positions has stacked it to where 
gosh, if you need it in a pinch, you got John Brown, right? Like there's all these things are like Khalil Shakir's sitting back there as one of your better draft picks who has shown some ability to do something like he's back there as insurance. You have Naheem Hines as your third running back where something happens to that room. You can bring him in. He's got playoff experience. Like, I think this is a very good job by Brandon Bean to build up that reservoir of it's not top end talent, but it's good enough to come in and, and make sure your floor doesn't bottom out in the playoffs because it's harder to acquire talent after the trade deadline. Like you really like to get a Cole Beasley this time of year is rare. And so uh, the ability of hiding guys on that practice squad, utilizing all the tools available to you to make sure that you have some depth for this playoff run. I thought it was a fantastic job by uh, Mr. Bean. Real quick. Can now, can we forget about Adele Beckham jr. For 2022? Bean I, said, I, no, I, so. I don't believe him. No. I don't think he's playing. Yeah, no, I, I think I don't think he's playing anywhere. Him. I don't think no, he's think. playing. I don't think he's playing anywhere. Dallas. I don't think it's a coincidence. Dallas signs Hilton. No. The Bills signed Beasley. Both within what twenty four hours of each other. Yeah. I, I think they know that um, OBJ is not going to be playing this year. Anyway, real quick, then I want to get to uh, the metal stand. So Bills Dolphins this week. You know, it, first of all, what a luxury it was for for Miami to lose to the Chargers last week. The Bills have a little. If you're talking divisionally, I think the Bills need to win out to win the top seed in the AFC. I'm, Pretty sure you feel the same. But anyway, now in the division, they got a currently a two-game lead, which is ironic because the Bills theoretically could lose at home against Miami, mm-hmm. get swept by the Dolphins, went out and still win the division. So I, that loss by Miami to the Chargers was huge. Um, last week, I was – I don't I, – I, I know where we are. I know we live in western New York. But, like, I was pissed last week at the weather. You know, I hate those shitty elements. My preference, generally speaking, with the Bills and this offense is give me 35-degree weather with minimal wind, and I'll go up against anybody and be happy about it. This week, though, yo, if that snow wants to come, I'm, I think I'm pretty good with that because I think it's a, the, the worst the weather is this week, I think, is a big advantage to the Bills, where when they were playing the Jets, I didn't feel that way, but I do feel that way against Miami. They got Tua, who's played very well. But he's a noodle arm. They don't got a strong running game. They're they're based, you know, they have speed receivers. Yeah. Give me snow. Give me wind. Give me all this shit for Saturday night. Yeah, Dan Orlowski, uh this morning, it was brought to my attention. He was talking about, and I understand why he was saying what he was saying, but he was talking about, yeah, run at Taron Johnson as the, that's what Miami needs to do in this game. It's like, yes. I hope that Mike McDaniel looks at that. I mean, there's a chance do that it. they could get this running game going. They have talented backs. He has developed really good run schemes in the past. So at any week, it could get going. I have not see, seen it, especially over the past few weeks. We haven't seen it develop. And the Bills' run defense is one of the best in the NFL by a lot, too. Like, they're number three mm-hmm. DVOA. They're number one in stuffed runs, according to Football Outsiders. So he was talking about, you know, running at Taron. He's got some missed tackles. But Taron also has 11 run stops. And that's good for fourth among cornerbacks in the NFL. So, yes, run at the strength of the defense. I would absolutely love to see that play out. And I do think, I think it's really funny. Miami fans are like, oh, all Buffalo fans are talking about is the weather, the weather, the weather. But the way the Miami organization is downplaying the weather and like Tua's quote the other day, like, guys, it snows in Alabama. Like, I don't think they know what they're getting into. This sounds like people that have no idea what they're talking about. Pat, I just brought my kid to school. Uh, and it's freaking ice everywhere. It is sloppy. It's wet. It's not even, it's like 35 degrees. It is terrible outside. Last yeah. night, I took the trash out before my show, just walked around the corner of my house to my core was cold. It was like 26 degrees. Mm-hmm. 
absolutely free. It's miserable. You know, you hate this stuff. You hate I this weather. Hate it. Going out in this type of weather, I don't care who you are, how long you've done it, how long you played for, where the biggest difference is to me isn't so much like, I think once you get playing, the adrenaline's flowing, all that stuff. It's the stuff we've heard about uh, a couple of years ago in one of those really cold games. Josh came out, Mitch Trubisky was in a certain type of undershirt and Josh wanted, they had an extra one and Josh didn't. So now that's all Josh wears. I think Jordan Poyer talked about it on Pat McAfee's podcast. Like that's really, I think where the advantage comes in. None of them like the cold. They all would prefer to live in California and Florida and play in nice temperatures. But I think the experience of a lot of the players on the Bills roster is knowing what equipment to wear, knowing how to go through a game like this in the cold, where these other guys, this is going to be Tua's most cold game of his career. Probably a lot of these guys have not experienced this type of weather. And I do think that has some advantage for the Bills. And just even in terms of, hey, we know what stuff to wear and what's comfortable and how to, when I'm on the sidelines, what to do to keep my feet from freezing off. Like Stuff like that is going to matter and render itself in this game. I... It's ironic. I was very concerned and worried to a fault against the Jets last week. That game, I don't know why. I was just really concerned. That defense, man. I feel feel really comfortable this week, almost scary comfortable, that I I think the Bills are going to handle business. And I I picked a close game. I did pick a close game. I don't think it's going to be a close game. No, Greg didn't either. Um, I hope I'm wrong, dude. I just want to party all Saturday, yeah. night, right? Like that's all I want. Oh, I'm this pissed game. though. I was supposed to. Have, I I was going to have a big Christmas party. A bunch of people from work. I was going to invite a bunch of people over. I have a nice Christmas party, but the the, the Bills game got flexed, so that kind of sucked. Anyway, sorry. So Aaron likes the Bills in a close game. I actually think the Bills are going to win quite comfortably. Let's end with the medal stand. Um, for people who are tuning in or listening for the first time, basically what I do is I have two topics each week. And Aaron's going to award a bronze, a silver, and a gold medal. That's why we call it the medal stand. And then I'll follow up um, with, with uh, what I think as well. Which should we, we want to do overrated former Bills first? Whichever you want, my man. Let's do it, man. All right, so this is overrated former Bills. Put them on the medal stand. All right, this one is, I think I'm going to get a lot of flack for some of these. Um, this was a hard one for me because I don't always think of like, well, one, most of my adult life, the Bills have been like mediocre. So there hasn't been like a lot of great sure. uh, names here, but I had some, I will go um, my bronze. This one's going to piss people off is uh, actually this one won't piss people off. CJ Spiller is my bronze. Uh, I think people look at hindsight. I hear constantly people talking about, we need a CJ Spiller in this offense. we need that guy that was CJ Spiller in this offense. CJ Spiller had one, very good season with Chan Gailey. And outside of that, he was a huge bust, in my opinion, as far as a running back for where he was picked and what his skill set was supposed to be. That guy could not help himself but try to jump outside and make a cut. And then you saw him go to Sean Payton, who's like, would you would think that's the absolute perfect situation for a guy with his skill set. And he, he got even worse. Mm-hmm. I think C.J. Spiller is super overrated. And people still clamor, oh, we need a C.J. Spiller in this offense. No, you don't. You need a running back that has vision and can see the field. I think that he was a benefit of one single season of getting into space with Chan Gailey. And then that went away. So he's Mm -hmm. up there. This one, I think is the one that's going to piss people off the most. My silver is Fred Jackson. I think Fred Jackson is an incredibly overrated football player on the field for the Buffalo bills in terms of, I think he was just mediocre. I think he was a pretty good running back who had a longevity for the bills and had to play, but they never wanted him to be the starting running back at any point. They always had guys ahead of him. It just injuries, trades, things like that occurred where he always end up sort of kind of rising back to the top. It's almost like Dane Jackson 
or Levi Wallace at the corner position where it's like, Ugh, we're stuck here and we're going to get Freddie. The thing is, Fred embraced the city. He was exactly what the team needed at the time in terms of embracing the fan base, embracing the mafia. Bill's mafia was just starting at this time and Fred X was a thing. And so he became a little bit large. His persona within the mafia became more than who he actually was as a player. And he does have good uh, statistics in terms of long uh, all time stats for Bill's running backs. But if you look at it, it's because of the longevity, right? Like he was here longer than most of those guys. Travis Henry was a better Buffalo Bills running back than Fred Jackson was. Right. And so I think I like Fred. I, th- I have nothing but respect for Fred. I love when he comes back to do all the stuff that he does. He is a Buffalo Bills legend. He doesn't belong on the wall of fame. Like a lot of people think. And I think that the, the way the fan base talks about him is what puts him up here for me as an overrated player. Okay. Um, so, but don't cancel me. And then number one, I don't know how people will feel about this one. For me, it was Drew Bledsoe. When Drew Bledsoe came to the bills, this was supposed to be like, okay, we've had a couple down years. This is going to bring us back. Like we've got the guy in division. Patriots made a mistake getting rid of this guy. And it looked like it was going to be that way at first. Peerless Price, Eric Molds, Drew Bledsoe, Pro Bowl season, moving the ball. We just had to get things right. But then it just deteriorated from there. And it just was another, here's another Bills quarterback and the drought of Bills quarterbacks. And he, in big spots, he really shot himself in the foot. The drought could have ended in Drew Bledsoe's reign. And he really is the reason that it wasn't. And so uh, in, in the the fanfare for getting a Drew Bledsoe, what it was supposed to be of, we got the franchise guy back and all this stuff. And it, it never quite met the expectation. So I think that for that reason, I think it was overrated. All right. That's fair. Do you I got? got three. I got three different guys. Uh, we always I'll do the brief here. Bronze. I have Derek Dockery. The bills gave this dude seven uh, years, 49 that. million contract. And I never for one, never for, I don't even know for a series, let alone a game thought this guy was any kind of uh but that was Tom Donahoe, right? A league guard. Hmm? Was that yeah. Donahoe? Yeah. It just, that's not it, Dockery's fault. It was like, Watching Roger Saffold now. He's like, who he's another the, guy out there. You know what I mean? Who was the other big, they signed two linemen. That Langston Walker. Langston Walker. Yeah, yeah. I could have, oh. He's an honorable mention. But he only got three years and $25 million. I don't know why I remember these numbers off the top of my head. But it just tells you how bad I thought this signing was. Derek Dockery never lived anything up close to it. He was just another guy on the offensive line to me. Yeah. Um, my silver, Dante Whitner, not just because I think he's a horrible, lousy human being either. Um, I, I think he was the eighth pick of the draft and he was okay as yeah. a safety, but he talked so much shit. I'm not talking about talking shit. He only overrated himself. Any of that. Yeah. He overrated himself. He, yeah. he would talk shit about other teams, guaranteed the playoffs one year. And then he started going at fans. He, he wasn't good enough to talk as much shit as he did. And being mm-hmm. an eighth, uh, you know, being the eighth overall pick of the draft, which that's not his fault. He couldn't control that. But so you combine all those factors I thought that dude was just a big shit bag on and off the field. And I still think he's a shit bag off the field as well. But anyway, my gold, some people might not agree with this. And I would understand why, because he was literally only here for a season. But Terrell Owens, I'll never forget all the hoopla that came with him coming here. The key to the city big ceremony, all this stuff. I get it. And he was at the time, he was older and, and past his prime. But still, it was Terrell Owens. It was such a big deal. It got casual fans involved. And he really didn't do much. Again, not necessarily his fault. Not all his fault, yeah, yeah. Right, but I looked, 55 catches, 829 yards, five touchdowns, his only year here. 
again, you're talking about an NFL Hall of First that's Ballot. Was he a first ballot Hall of Famer? Or was he no, a second remember ballot? that was a uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's right. All right. Well, regardless, a Hall of Famer coming here it was such yeah. a big deal. It just, I, that one's it never annoying. moved the needle for this. Yeah, team. I agree, and that one's annoying to me too because I'm uh, very adamant that Stephon Diggs is the best wide receiver to ever wear a Buffalo Bills uniform. I think absolutely. That that's a, totally reasonable take by me and people will all the time be like one they'll say eric molds which i love eric molds it's not quite the same um i think he's i think he's number two but then uh, people will mention to and it's like okay yeah yes if you are talking about like yes his whole career he was one of the best wide receivers ever and a hall of famer certainly but not yeah. in buffalo no i'm not only, in, I'm only, in a buffalo I'm only referring to buffalo you know what yes, i mean guys so. that played during right. their time in a Bills uniform. Absolutely. Yeah. All right, and sing songs. Here you go, man. Oh, my God, Pat. This one has driven me nuts all day. Just like MJ, I don't think people know this about me. Um, I was talking a little bit with you offline here. Uh, I was a high school student in the years from 1999. I was a freshman to 2002. I was a senior. Uh, luckily, I didn't hang out for five years. There was a chance that I would be there for an extra year, but I didn't. Um, and NSYNC was at their peak right boy band sure. was at its peak i think that first instant album came out in like 97 but it really didn't like hit the it was big in europe or something but it didn't come to the states until really 98 99 and i absolutely it's one of the things about me people used to make fun of me all the time because i'm you know me i'm a huge hip-hop underground hip-hop like i love like banging beats I, i'm a big r&b sucker but i have a soft spot for boy band music i really yeah, do i so like I. music I and it. i love in sync to me in terms of the like cookie cutter white boy band that you put together. I think they were the absolute pinnacle best boy band to ever exist um, in that realm. Real quick and, before yeah. you go, if, if you happen to be watching uh, on the YouTube side, if you think I'm joking right now, before Aaron gives you your picks, I'll put up this, you can see it on the screen. It'll come in here. Focus boy band jams. Yeah, <laughs> I got a whole entire playlist just a boy band jams. But uh, yeah, right, it, ahead, I have never uh, been bothered uh, by my like for this. And I got oh. a hot take. I think we share this take. JC was the most talented vocalist of NSYNC. I, I think he got a raw I, deal. I got crushed once for say. I said that, and I got crushed. No, JC JC super talented. He didn't have the look and the feel and the swag that JT had right. and that took JT Agreed. to the next level. But Agreed. JC is very underrated in all of this and what InSync mm-hmm. was able to do. And I think that's why actually InSync is the top dog there because you look at like Backstreet, they just, they didn't have the two power guys. So anyways, we'll go bronze. This one's going to be, so none of these are, I think, I think these are going to throw everybody off. This is, I'm a very particular InSync fan. And again, music is dependent on my current mood. This can change at any time with mm-hmm. me. Um, one fantastic Christmas song from InSync. Uh, so make sure everybody goes. I forget the name of the uh, Insane Christmas song, but make sure you're rocking that this holiday season. For uh, also, all these out are off their album Celebrity. All three of these are off the album Celebrity. So I've got the song Selfish from that. Okay, I know uh, what you're talking about. Y- only Insane fans are gonna know. This one wasn't on the radio that mm-hmm. much, but it is like, in my opinion, it is. There's a lot of corny boy band love songs this one is just a very good more r&b feeling than boy bandy feeling love song and i just think it just hits i think it's a fantastic love song that's not super corny i absolutely love it um my bronze or my silver is girlfriend but it's the the edition with nelly because there's two editions of mm -hmm. the song girlfriend the one Mm -hmm. with nelly to me this was 
the first time I'd heard like cookie cutter pop uh, boy band music. Because a lot of these beats, uh, if you listen to Bye Bye Bye, uh, uh, Tearing Up My Heart, all those, those are very same feel as Backstreet Boys, same feel as O-Town or whatever mm-hmm. these boy bands where there's like a typical type beat in the early 2000s that was associated to pop music. And a lot of NSYNC's music had that. Girlfriend was different. It had an R&B vibe to it. It was the first time I heard like, a again, a bunch of young teen white boy band dudes rocking with a dude like Nelly that hit on like an R&B level on the radio station. So I thought that was really cool. I love that song. And, and dudes that didn't like NSYNC were rocking that song back in the day. Like it was a good song with a good beat, a good vibe. And my number one absolute gold for NSYNC is the song off that album, Gone. Um, I love that song too. It is a beautiful masterpiece. And the pro- the only problem I have with it is I think that song elevated JT to just skyrocket off to his own career. That song was a total 100% JT hit. And you saw his style play off that song with uh, Cry Me a River on his first album had a very mm-hmm. similar feel to it. That sound that he got off Gone became his sound for the beginning of his uh, career and I thought that that was huge because JT went off to have a fantastic huge career but it's a sad one for me I want to put that one on bronze because I also think that signified the end of NSYNC that song signified like JT separating this is over now I and by the way those are all great picks there are no losers when you're picking NSYNC songs folks I agree I I as much as I love it, none of them are. Like, yeah, none of those are going to be. If you go look on Spotify, none of these are their top. No, 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 no. And I, I and I pick more mainstream songs. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you here. But as much as I love In Sync for for dancing, I love them even more because of their slow shit. Actually, it was better so than any other boy. Bands. I'm going. My bronze was I drive myself crazy. Mm. Absolutely, and I won't. I won't get into deep explanations of the song. We're up against the clock here. Sorry. Um, no, no, it's not your fault, man, dude. I have you on for an hour or something. I feel like there's another hour worth of content right now in my mind that I wish that we had time to talk about. Um, but anyway, yeah, bronze is going to be. I drive myself crazy. Um, very mainstream, popular song for my silver, but I just love it anyway. It's going to be me. I, I absolutely love that song. And my gold. Dude, I love this, I promise you, man. Like, that is, I showed you my boy band playlist. If I went and looked at, like, what was my most played song on my phone, it probably would still be uh, this, I promise you, man. Just a litany of great and sync songs. Dude, uh, high school me who was so sensitive and romantic and looking for to like fall in love in high school just absolutely ate that stuff up, <laughs> ate it up. <laughs> all right, all right, this was fun. Like I said, honestly, man, we were like an hour and ten minutes, and I think there's like five or six things I left off the table. But uh, we got next week. We do. We have, and again, some of this stuff's not time dated, so we definitely can talk about it next week. Make sure you follow Aaron on Twitter at Aaron Quinn seven one six. Are you and Greg doing a post game after the game Saturday live? Oh, you are goddamn right. We are, man. We're going to be up late, probably past midnight. Uh, All right. So make sure you guys head to YouTube after the Bills comfortably beat up Miami, as I predicted. Check out uh, the cover one post game show live with Aaron and Greg. Thanks for doing the show, buddy. Always love having you, brother. All right, man. All right, guys. I'll talk to you. Have a good weekend, and I'll probably be back with a new episode on Monday. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. 
This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.